You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. glad that uh, I have an opportunity just to come and share with you guys. It is an honor for me to come to The Well and just bring the Word of God. Anywhere I get to bring the Word of God, it's an honor to me. I am one that is an avid Bible reader. I don't know what happened. I don't. I didn't learn to read until I was in my 30s. And God's changed my heart for His Word so much that I need to be in it daily. I want to research. I want to read. I can't get enough information. I hated school when I was in school, and now I can't learn enough. I always have this drive, this desire to know God more. Not really just that. I want Him to know me more. So I spend my time in the Word. I spend my time with the Lord. I spend my time in prayer. He's blessed me abundantly with the things that I've tried. Celebrate recovery should not have worked. It probably still shouldn't work. I'm waiting to see if I'm going to really buy into that or not. You know, that's a joke. Um, You know, 16 years of that ministry, I've seen a lot of hurt. I've seen a lot of pain. I've seen a lot of struggles. I've seen a lot of troubles. But I've also seen a lot of victory. I've seen people come to know the Lord. Praise God. I've seen people with resentments decades old. Well-founded resentment, decades old, that were just washed away because they opened themselves up to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, and God used the steps in that program to help. The program didn't save me. The program didn't do that. It was the Lord. Their faith came from the Lord, and He honored that with His presence in their lives. I am... So glad that I have that opportunity to be part of that. As one of, I was a state rep for eight years for Celebrate Recovery, the national or the worldwide organization. And I was challenged to have a life's verse. I was that, in that position for eight years, and I did not have a life's verse the whole time. I had verses that touched me. I had verses that talked to me. I had verses that would change my attitude about things. But I didn't have one that described my life until God woke me up one day and said, this is it. It's James 4.10, which is humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. If I can live my life that way every day, I'm better. I'm not perfect. I'm not great. I'm not even good. But if I can live out that verse every day, I'm better. Now, as we go on, I want to defend that life's verse for myself. And I want to challenge you to find one for yourselves and be able to defend that with the word. It's easy. God will give you what you want. If you desire it, if you ask him, he will give you your heart's desire. I have just recently found 
so many blessings. I've gone through some really, really tough, hard things for a long time. And I've recently been freed out of it. The scripture that I'm going to defend my life's verse with was the answer to what all that stuff was. So with that, I'd just like to pray before I get into the word. Father, Abba, Father, I thank you so much for what you've done for me. Lord, I thank you just for your presence. I'd ask, Father, you fill this place with the Holy Spirit, that every word out of my mouth would be a word from you, Lord, that uh, my nonsense would make perfect sense because of your filter. Please, Father, please fill this place. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, if you've got a Bible with you, or if you've got your Bible on your phone, I'm going to encourage you to go to Psalms 107. Pretty much the middle of the book. Give you a second or two to get there. Psalms 107, as I've looked through that and researched that and tried to preach through that and delved into that in study, I've just found that this psalm touches every aspect of human life. Everywhere that you might be in your spiritual life, your physical life, your emotional life, is touched on in here. And it all goes back to humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up. Promise. James wrote that promise. James was Jesus' brother. He did not believe that Jesus was the Christ until after Jesus died and ascended back into heaven. But he was the ultimate elder. He was the one that the apostles went to when they had questions. He was the answer man. James is only five short verse or five short uh, chapters in the Bible. Uh, and everything I need to know, all the answers that I need to have, the ones that I just absolutely can't figure out, I find them someplace in there. Because I look, and I listen, and I ask the Holy Spirit to share that with me. That's why I'm back to James 4.10. Now, I'm going to read through um, this psalm. You need to follow along as best you can, because I'm going to stop and talk about other things. And I don't want you to get confused with my words, God's word, you probably won't, but, um, so, let's start off. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the, let's see, hmm, yeah, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of adversity. If you're in Christ today, if you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, He's talking to you. We're supposed to talk about His loving kindness. We're supposed to talk how wide, how deep, how far, how long it is. We're supposed to let people know 
this is the truth. This is what's going on. This is what God has done for us. That's just the very opening part of this. <clears throat> that we go to verse 3. And gathering from the lands, from the east, from the west, and from the north, and from the south. That gathering was people. It wasn't just Jews. It wasn't just Israel. It was people. God owns all of us, whether we believe him or not. He owns us all. He gives us free will that we can exercise that. But he gathers us in from all the four corners of the earth, no matter what your race, no matter what your belief, no matter if you are absolutely um, defiant against God, still is trying to gather people into And he's doing it from everywhere. So he's brought us to this place today to be together today. Now, verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness in a desert region and they did not find a way to, inhabit, to an inhabited city. And they were hungry, thirsty. Their soul faded away, uh, fainted away within them. They cried out to the Lord in his trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. Uh, he led them also by a straight way to go to, the to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with his good. Do you see James 4.10 in that portion of that chapter? My own life, I, I struggled. I walked opposing God. I walked not understanding God. I walked not believing. Just in my own life, I've been in that spot where it's a dry and thirsty place. My soul knows that there's something else out there. I just don't know what it is. So I try and manufacture it. I try and make it up. I try and make myself something that I'm not without the Lord's guidance, without the Lord's help. And when I'm really at, at just at the point that this is just all I've got, this is all there is, that's when I cry out. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. The distresses that we have are, are of our own making most of the time when we are not in the Lord. Most of the time, we cause our own problems. I hate admitting that. Because I'm the answer guy. I want to know. I, I'm in the know. Oh, you want to know when the first cow was milked in an airplane? I know. 
I do. Nobody wants to know? February 18th, 1930, 10.30 in the morning, over Minneapolis and St. Paul in an airplane, they did that to see if milk would curdle at certain altitudes. It didn't, and the cow was very upset. But I, I have all kinds of that stuff up here. But I can't manufacture what God's got for me. I can't make that up. I can't know it without knowing Him. So, when I cry out to Him, He just shows up. Uh, so, when He does show up, let them give thanks uh, to the Lord for His loving kindness and his one and his wonders to the sons of men that's all of it we should thank god most people even non-believers do thank god new child is born healthy and happy thank god son doesn't die in a car accident that could have killed him god even if you don't believe in god you're still thankful so, mm, for he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul, he has filled with good. The Lord can infiltrate a heart without anything but himself. The Lord can send a spirit to take over somebody without a Bible, without anything but himself. The Lord can do that. Lord tries to do that. Sometimes people will feel that tug inside of their heart. They'll be hearing a, a, an outstanding speaker or a pastor or somebody preaching the gospel someplace, and the Lord will start tugging on them through the Holy Spirit, even before they know who's doing it. That's that loving kindness. That's filling our that's filling our hungry bellies, filling up our souls so that we can recognize Him. Once we have given Him thanks, and He, sa he satisfies our soul and fills us with that. Okay, verse 10. There are those who dwell in, the, in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains. Ever been in chains? Has anybody in here ever been in chains? Every hand should have went up. I'm going to tell you why later. <clears throat> because they rebelled against the word of the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he humbled their he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled, and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the shadow, or out of the darkness and the shadow of death. He broke the bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness, uh, for His uh, for His wonders to the sons of men. For He has shattered the gates of bronze, and cut the bars of iron thunder. Being a drug addict and an alcoholic, on my mind, almost always goes to that 
prison that I was in. Methamphetamine had such a hold on me that I gave up my family, I gave up my children, I gave up everything for a drug that I thought was making me better. And all it did was bind me so tight that I couldn't even hear the word God. I couldn't hear the voices of my children crying. I was despicable. Disgusting. God didn't see that. He saw me pain. Saw me there. In that spot, Alcoholics Anonymous describes this incomprehensible, let me say, pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. That's a point where you're ready to die. I can't live with it and I can't live without it. The common denominator there is I can't live. People kill themselves there all the time, daily, daily. I had so many friends that got to that point and never found a way out. Never found a way out. I praise God because at that point, I cried out. Because I was a coward. Because I was a coward. I wouldn't accomplish what I was after. I wouldn't have got relief from trying to commit suicide. I tried. I just wasn't very good at it. Thank you, Lord. Yeah? Yeah, amen. Ah. Uh, this is, this, I describe this more often as that dark pit. Um, it can be anything that feels like a pit. If your job is, is smothering you, God doesn't want you to be able to support yourself, but he doesn't want a job that oppresses you and keeps you back from what he's, the good that he has. That's a pit. If you're trapped in, I have to have a beer after work just to unwind. And you have to have a beer every day after work just to unwind. Uh, that's a pit. Some of us don't even know we're in a pit. I just love him so much, I'd do anything for him. <laughs> um, ladies, that's a pit. Guys, that's my woman. Stay away from her. She's mine. That's a pit. That's a darkness that we don't recognize as darkness. We recognize that as our due, as what belongs to us, what we own. It's not that we own that. It's that the pit owns us. Guys with wives, if you love your wife, you should be able just to set her free and know that she's coming right back. Wives, if you love him that much, there's a reason for that, and he'll be. There's, there's all this stuff the world puts on us. People fall into it over and over again. Your pit can consume me just as quickly as mine can consume you. My depravity can overtake a room quickly. So can yours. It can change minds and congregations. It can change all kinds of stuff happening. But when we recognize that and we cry out to the Lord, what does he do? 
turn away from us and say, you guys just are no good. I am tired of you. Does he do that? Not at all. Not at all. Even when he sent Israel into exile out of Jerusalem, he didn't turn his back on them. He gave them a place to be with Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. He gave them a place where they dwelt for 70 years and made lives for themselves there because of God. And then, when they cried out to him, I want to go home, he brought them home and rebuilt Jerusalem with them and gave it back to them what, he'd, what had been lost, what had been so impossible. He gave that back. So if you're in a spot of impossibility, but you don't think that there's a way out of there, and you're in the Lord Jesus, you have the Lord Jesus in you, then you're lying to yourself and you're listening to the world. But if you're not with Jesus, this is just the world. This is just how it is. And we feel like this is all there is again. So, what do we have to do when we're in that pit? We humble ourselves and say, Lord, I'm in a spot I can't get out of. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And once we've done that, he fills us. He gives us what we need. And then we can praise God, which is our job in the first place. God made us, each one of us, perfectly for his pleasure. The world tries to take that away from us every day. From the day we're born till the day we die, the world is trying to steal that from us all the time. All the time. God wants to continually revigor, reinvigorate, re, just renew your inside, out, heart, mind, he wants you to feel right, not worthless or useless, not put upon, not a have to. It want I'm there. Because he's there. What a feeling that is when we get that. Even in just little tiny increments, little bitty portions in our life. A little breath in a day like that, in any day, should be reason to praise God. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about people that are probably sitting in this congregation now, and uh, we're going to find out. <laughs> so, verse 17, fools, because their heart was, because of their rebellious way. And, let's see. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their inequity, uh, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food and uh, drew near to the gates of death. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distresses. What do I mean by people in this room? Are you fools? Oh, yeah. Yeah, def I am. I am. Because of their rebellious way, 
uh, they abhorred, uh, yeah, they were afflicted. They abhorred all kinds of food. Any anorexics in here? There's a couple of us. Yeah, I'm feeling much better now. But I am anorexic. I have tried to kill myself for lack of food. Um, that's not the food he's talking about. The food he's talking about is food he's talking about is Christian companions that want to lead into lend into your life, part of your life. It's talking about that neighbor that seems a little bit weird because he's got a cross on his front door. So I took mine off the front door because I couldn't open it because it's too big. Um, ah, I never had it on the front door, sorry. You know, but uh, <clears throat> because we're believers and we refuse what the Word says, are there believers that refuse what the Word says? Are yeah, there are, there are. There are believers that well, I'm a Christian. I was a Christian a long time before I believed in God. Because I said I was. I said this little prayer and everything was better. Uh, not at all. Uh, when I said that prayer, God took me serious. I didn't take him so serious. So ten years later, <laughs> I found myself at that point of this fool. Because I wouldn't feed myself on the word of God. Fed myself on worthless food. It's like having a, a chance to have steak and eat Twinkies instead. Um, I was eating Twinkies all the time. And people were calling me a spiritual man, a spiritual leader in my groups and my meetings. And I wasn't even drinking milk. I wasn't. And I sucked it up, and I let them call me that. And they about kill me. Because I was starving to death for the Word of God. I didn't even know that that's what I was starving for. But that's what I was starving for. And when I realized it, on one more suicide attempt, one more plan that was going to take place, I cried out to the Lord. I cried out to the Lord in my distress. Mm. And He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He sent His Word. What's the Word? In the beginning, the Word was with God. The Word was Jesus Christ. He sent Him to rescue me out of my own self, even when I profess to be a Christian, even when I profess to be a believer, even when other people saw me that way, he still sent the right way and saved me from myself. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also Offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his work. People that know me know that I have no, I'm not shy about talking about my Lord Jesus. Not at all. 
the day that he redeemed me completely, the day the light came on, it was, I started immediately telling my wife what happened, and she told me to shut up and go to bed. Really, not very nicely. A lot, it was a lot more rough than what I just said. But that's what she told me. I can't not express my love for God, for Jesus Christ. I recognize His loving kindness from that point, and I did not even know the Word. I did not know the Bible. I did not know chapter and verse. I'm still not good at chapter and verse, but I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that this was real. And I had to tell people about it. And I haven't stopped, and I'm not going to. You guys can throw rocks. I don't care what you do to me. I'm still going to talk about Jesus because he loves me. And I owe him everything. So, let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works. What does God want for us? Does he want me to go out and kill cattle? Does he want me to shed blood of anything? No? Does he want my money? How about my bread? How about my wife's fried chicken? God would love my wife's fried chicken. I'm certain. Of he, I'm sure that he's got a plan. He's probably got a bunch of it up in heaven already waiting for me. God doesn't want any of those things. He owns all those things. What he wants, the sacrifices of the Lord. It's in, Psalm, it's in Psalms 57, I think it's 17, maybe. Uh, I don't know, I probably didn't write that down. Um, maybe I marked it. Huh? No, it's 50. <laughs> I don't know where I put it. Anyway, it's in the Psalms. <laughs> the sacrifices of the Lord are a broken heart and a broken and contrite spirit. My heart's broken for the Lord. When I get news or I see signs that God's moved to work in somebody's life, my heart breaks. And it doesn't break like my girlfriend just left or like my dog just died. My heart breaks for the Lord, which is a crushing, scattering of my inner being that says, Lord, there is nothing as powerful as you. There is nothing that I won't give to you. And all he asks me back is the things that he does not want to be terrible for. If I come to him humbly with that broken spirit, broken and contrite heart. If I come to him with that, that's the sacrifice that God will not despise. In fact, he'll honor that. But I, it's the if I'll do that. I'm a man and I'm tough and I don't want to say that I'm broken. I don't want to be broken down. And I know what happens when I get broken. I get healed and I still don't want to go there. Because the world's taught me that that's weakness. The world's taught me that that's something I don't want to do. I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be seen as weak. I'm a man and I'm a man's man. I'm going to stand by blah, 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 blah. No. 
know, women, same thing for you. I've seen women that are strong women. My mother was very strong. And she was absolute in her convictions. When she was angry at somebody, this is a resentment that I'm going to carry all the rest of my life. I don't care what it costs me. That's how my mom lived her whole life. She still hated the kid that spit in our yard when he was seven. When she, and she was, I don't know how old she was then, but that was elementary school for me. And she died at 82 and still hated this guy because he spit on the grass. Didn't do her any good. She was strong. Stuck to that. She made a decision because I know that God had to touch her heart in this. He had to. He touched me while she was still alive. She saw what happened to me. She saw me come out of a terrible pit of alcoholism. She saw me regain my health after anorexia. She saw what happened in my life because of God. And still, I would rather hang on to that resentment. Push away. Does that mean her, that God's loving kindness wasn't there? Not at all. Not at all. I believe my mother's in heaven even if she carried a resentment there. I know that there's none that exists there now. But my mother had accepted Christ. Some people say you can lose your salvation. I don't see any place that I'm going to lose my salvation because I've gotten angry at the Lord. That I've pushed back God. It does not take his loving kindness away. That's why it keeps saying that his loving kindness is everlasting. So people of the church, remember that you can destroy your relationship with God here. And not your salvation, but your relationship here. Your comfort in the church here can be destroyed by yourself. You're your own destruction. <clears throat> Do you see James 4.10 showing up in there at all? Do you see where God wants us to humble ourselves and cry out to him for the Lord and then allow him just to pick us up? My favorite illustration or um, word picture of this is a three-year-old daddy pick me up. We got little kids, huh? Daddy pick me up. What's daddy do? Go away. Snot on you, I'm picking you up. Oh, no way. You're dirty and messy. Huh? Somebody's got to clean you up, but it's not going to be me. Mom. Where are you, Mom? Mom's just an extension of Dad, so Dad did pick her up. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's it. God gives us, he, he's adopted us. Because he's called us to himself. He's made us adopted children right alongside with Christ. Now, when they talk about adoption in the word, when they're talking about an adopted child there, at that time, you could sell your children. 
And nobody thought less of you for that. You could sell them into slavery, prostitution, whatever you wanted to survive. You could do that and get away with it. But you could not give away, sell, or push away an adopted child. Once you'd adopted that child, it was yours and you kept it. That was the law. And you stuck by that law. God calls us his adopted children. Got so much more than what we could ever give our own. But he's adopted us into that. I'm going to run off on rabbit trails and get absolutely lost here. All right. We are at, (laughs) where are we? Boy, Larry, you have just, huh? That's where we're at. I just turned the page. Uh, Those who go down to the pit ships, uh, who do business on the great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and and wonders in the and his wonders in the deep. And he spoke and raised up the storm wind. And which lifted the which lifted the waves of, of the sea. They rose up to the heavens and they went down to the depths. The soul melted, their soul melted away in their misery. Uh, he re, uh, they reeled and staggered like a drunken man. And were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. What I see here, not many of us have been out on the open sea because we're in the middle of Nebraska. Um, I don't know that I'd really want to be out on the open sea ever because the horizon here is scary enough for me to see way too far. (laughs) But, that open sea that they're talking about, that's the commerce. That was the commerce of the time. So most of commerce happened because of the sea. And these, these seafarers, they were the workers. That's describing our work. That's describing what we, let me say, that's describing us being just people surviving. How many of us don't have to have a job? If you're retired, you get a pass. Um, how about this? I have to have a job, and my retirement plan is I'm going to die. Pretty much it. Pretty much it. I don't mind that. Not a bit. Not a bit. Work me to death, Lord. That's fine. That's my plan. And I'm going to stick to it because it's my plan. Uh, if he's got a different one, he'll have to do that for me. Anyway, how many of us are believers in Christ and life just gets unfair? When I opened up, I talked about this dry season in my life where it was hard. I had 33 people from my high school class died in, over, in less than a year and a half. 33 people that I knew and went to school with died in less than a year and a half. I am not a pastor. I'm not, um, a, I'm not a professional pastor. I'm just a man that loves the Lord. But the very first service that I ever got to do was my little brother's funeral after he committed suicide. 
That's the very first service I ever did because my mom told me I would. And I did what she Since that time, 21 men, not women, 21 men in my life. No need for that. There's no need for that. But the world demands that. The world demands that. In the Garden of Eden, not God. The world. And now, so many people think that's the only reason. That's just part of that drive. I work hard. I do work for the Lord. I try and take every bit of my day and know, even if it's the most menial task or the dirtiest, messiest job, I still try and remember that I'm working not for the paycheck and not for some man. I'm working for the Lord. That gives me strength to get through. But I'll tell you, my faith was fading away. It was dying out. I was afraid. I was losing connection with the Lord and Savior. I was afraid that he turned away from me, shut off his loving kindness, and said, I don't deserve that anymore. I was saying that, trying not to believe that was true. I got to a point of brokenness in the middle of that and admitted out loud, not the depth of it, just the surface of it. I'm struggling with a lack of faith. Once I did that, that was my cry to the Lord for help because I didn't have the words to do that. So I'm struggling with this lack of faith. And what'd God do? What'd he do? Push me down? Roll me around in the dirt and laugh at me? Oh, no. No, no, no. God showed up. Said, open your eyes. I am real. And what I've said to you is real and true. I am today the same as I was then and I'll be the same tomorrow and every day afterward. I'm the same right now as I was at the beginning. And I've never left you nor forsaken you. He just allowed me to go through a dry time. So, maybe I can help somebody else. I've had the opportunity to do that. And it's a huge blessing. That's where I get to see God working. And when I see God working, when I see Jesus show up in somebody's life, I can't help but praise the Lord. And back to my job. Praising the Lord. I'm supposed to do that. <clears throat> Let them extol him in all in the congregation of the people and let them, uh, let 
and <clears throat> praise him at the seat of the elders. I'm not an educated man. In fact, I'm a high school dropout. Double. And that's it. That's my education. Uh, like I said, I didn't learn to read until I was in my 30s. Um, so, I've taken on teachers. I've taken on guys that I consider elders. And I praise them to him, to them. I praise him to them. And they are edified by my praise, my worship of the Lord. Not because I'm worshiping the Lord. Not because I'm something special. It's because I'm doing what the Word says. And they see and they can tell. This is real. That I've given up my heart. I've given up myself to God. To Jesus Christ, I proclaim his name. My teachers respect me. My elders respect me. And welcome me into their table. And let me sit with them where I do not deserve. I am a blessed man because of James 4.10. Humble myself before the Lord and he lifted me. I didn't force my way into a seat at that table. He put me. Praise God. He's trying to do that for all of us. He wants us all at that table. He wants a room full of elders. What he really wants is nobody knows the answer. Praise. Yes. One person who said that. Oh, hi. <laughs> I won't make. I'll, I'll just stop right there. <laughs> because I'll, I'll cause a problem. Yep. <laughs> this is what God does. This is 33. He changes the rivers into, into the wilderness, the springs of water into, the thirsty, uh, into thirsty ground, and the fruit of the land into salt waste. Uh, because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it, he changes the wilderness into a pool of water, and the dry land into springs of water. And there he makes the hungry to dwell so that they may be established and then they may establish an inhabited city and sow fields and plant vineyards and gather fruit and harvest. Also, he blesses them and they multiply greatly. Church, this is your inhabited city. This is your inhabited city. God's trying to move here. God wants things to happen here. He makes this a well-watered place, a fertile land, and a rich place. It's up to us to do some killing. It's up to us to do some of the work. But he takes care of all of that. He's made the harvest ready. He's got the fruit of the harvest ready to gather. They're there. How many of you know hurting people? If you know hurting people, you have a harvest in front of you. 
sharing the gospel verbatim out of a little handout, sometimes that works. That is not for me. Not at all. I'm not good at chapter and verse. I don't, I don't remember well, and I don't recite well, and I really don't read well. So when I share the gospel, it has to be personal. It has to be me. I have the gospel living in me. Do you? If you have the Holy Spirit, the gospel dwells inside of you, and you are the work of truth. You are the one that can say to his friend or his neighbor, I see your pain. I know a way to get you out of there. Come on, follow me. Come on. And your heart breaks. Even when they follow you, it still breaks. One broken heart's when they're left behind and they don't follow. That's that worldly one that crushes us and makes us want to die. The other broken heart is the one where they come along. And you see the fruit of them coming to fruition. You see what God's doing in their lives. That breaks my heart in the best way. That, I long for that for people. That's why James 4.10. I humble myself before the Lord. He will lift me up. He will give me that. Because I humble myself and say to my friend, come on, get out of here. If you're in a pit, like the pits I talked about before, you can't dig your way out. You understand? Because if you're in a pit and you keep digging to get out, you've got a long way to go. Because you're never getting out. The only thing you can do Lay down the shovel and raise up your hands. Ask, Lord, get me out of here. And he will. He will. If you're a believer or not, he will. Much more so for believers. Because he doesn't want us in that spot. The world wants us there. We can get trapped there so easily. But he's got that way out for us. Hmm. When they were diminished and bowed down through oppression, misery, and sorrow, he pours contempt upon princes and makes them wander in pathless wastes. But he sets the needy securely on a high way, uh, on high, away from affliction, and makes his family's life a problem. You feel like you've lost. Because of the Lord, you feel like He's taken something away from you. Praise God. Praise God. Job had every reason to hate because he didn't do anything wrong. He lost everything plus some. But at the end of the book, the end of Job, the oldest book in the Bible, God restored back to him everything he'd lost. And then, then 
Why? Because he humbled himself in the presence of the Lord. Humbled himself in the presence of the Lord. Cried out and saved him. He gave him back. He exalted him. He lifted him up. So, what's my life's verse? What does that say? So easy. I had to tattoo it on my arm so I could remember. Actually, that's my name. God changed it. But it reminds me daily if I do that. What a blessing it is. What a pleasure it is to serve the Lord. I am so glad that I got to be here today. I want to say, if you are in Christ, thank God. If you believe you're a Christian, but you don't believe you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please come and talk to me about that. There's elders in this church that would love to talk to you about that. If you're a non-believer and you're here today, and you've heard something that touched you, if you felt that little tug on you, do not ignore it. Because that little tug that felt pretty good has got a great big huge rope that can attach to your heart and lead you in a way that you will not ever understand. Will lead you to a place that you will never even fathom what it could be like. There's no way you can even imagine what God's got planned for you. So please, say something. Listen to someone that knows the way. That knows that wants to share that with you. And everybody, please, want to share that with somebody. My challenge for this church today is research. Find your life's verse. I don't even, I don't like prescribing a way to do this, but look in the New Testament. What's your favorite book in the New Testament? Pick your favorite verse out of that and go back to the Old Testament so you have something to testify to the reason why you've adopted that for yourself. It's there. It's there. Mine is all over the Old Testament. All over the place. It's all over in the New Testament too. James was a pretty smart guy. Even though he didn't believe his brother was the Messiah. Until later. The way James knows, the way we know, is because of the cross. Christ's death, his life, his death, resurrection. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.